0: them back to probably a much shorter
1: second part, and um, we'll see how the editing goes for the first part. Um, <laughs> but we sort of finished up talking about Golden hoax and the dystopian utopia and what that means for our future. I wanted to get into a little bit I said at the very beginning about um, Disney actual products. and sort of from a film perspective, And leaning into the evilness of, I guess, poor creativity. Mm. Because when I was younger, my favourite Disney film was Sleeping Beauty... And I remember I was in an IT class, and if anyone did, like, GCSE or Stage 3 IT, you know that most of the time you spend it doing nothing at all. Yeah, no, um, definitely. Yep, okay, you have the same experience. <laughs> um, so I went on to, I remember going on to, like, the GCSE syllabus and looking at all, like, the, the cool courses that my school didn't do. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them was film, and I was looking at all the cool things you could study, and one of them was, like, Spirited Way, nice. and I was obsessed with that film at the time, and still am. And another one was Sleeping Beauty. So, during my IT classes, I went through the film GCC from Sleeping Beauty, oh, just see. to see what it was, and it was really, really fascinating, um, all about how it draws upon all these different cultural aesthetic elements, specifically Italian architecture. Really? So, if, have you seen Sleeping Beauty, first of all? Like, the original?
2: Pro- probably, but, like... Maybe I just saw enough clips of it that I've made up an idea of it in my head. Uh, I don't recall ever sitting down. Do you know, like, the basic plot of it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So, like, basically, in Aurora's Kingdom,
2: like, the castle
1: itself is inspired by Italian architecture. uh, Specifically, the black and white um, checkered tile floor, which you might, like, associate with, like, American 50s kitchens Mm -hmm. um, or diner sort of culture, which is, like, an Italian sort of import. Um, and all these sort of aesthetic implements of like this, it's sort of like going beyond just this generic brand of, um, medievalism, which is just anytime there's like a sort of old sort of setting, it's always this pseudo European medieval, which Mm -hmm. is just like, oh, you know, dirty peasants and like wheelbarrows and like, um, you know, stone and stone and like a magician. But it was really nice to see all these like imports of like and this sort of behind the scenes of like this development. Um and I just really like the Sleeping Beauty structure because it's there's so obviously there's modern issues with it. It's mm-hmm. very like damsel and distressy. Um but there's a lot to be said about revisiting Old Disney and about questioning its like its feminist sort of uh, takes and things basically. Right. I read a really good like mini essay. On Cinderella specifically. Mm -hmm. Because Cinderella's always been lambasted as like the most sort of anti feminist sort of Disney piece. Because it's all about basically a girl with no power and she gets power from an external source and that power is to seduce a man in order to elevate her status. And that's, she's one at the end. She Mm -hmm. got money, she got status because she was pretty. Mm -hmm. And that's the whole thing. Um, But the essay was talking about sort of. I guess a more modern wave of feminism of the issue with Cinderella is that we critique her because she is female. In terms of, like, she presents as female and those feminine aspects are considered weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Cinderella is not a violent character. She never, like, picks up arms. She never exhibits, like, masculine traits as some, like, modern sort of protagonist, like um, Meredith and Brave. a very masculine character and we see that as strength because she can she has violent skills she can use an arrow Mm -hmm. she is a tomboy she doesn't like you know being in dresses and regality and we're like oh that's a strong character and it's only a strong character because she's rejecting feminine norms rather than embrace them whereas cinderella Mm -hmm. is inherently through and through a very feminized character and she doesn't allow that femininity to um she doesn't have to like basically reject that feminine side in order to succeed She's able to be kind, she's able to be empathetic, you know, she talks to animals, she's considerate, she makes friends. Even when she's pushed to extremes, she maintains, like, a soft-heartedness. And the essay was sort of talking about that the strength of that is in, like, her strength is her vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting how, like, binary, like, Disney's response to sort of ethics is that, you know, either you can be strong by being not female... Mm -hmm. is sort of their modern solution to, like, a strong character. Um, And obviously that works better in some cases than others. Like, Mulan's a good example of, like, someone who rejects femininity, but it's more for, like, a cultural-political reason. Mm -hmm. Um, And she has a rationale. I feel like Brave, although, like, a fun film, I personally have issues with it because the whole crux is, like, Meredith is a tomboy and she does what she wants. And therefore she's a strong character, simply Mm -hmm. on the fact that she is a tomboy. Her strength is because she's masculine. Yeah. So I feel like it's really interesting to probe Disney like that because it's always trying to present itself as the winner, as the hero. And it's once you dig a little bit deeper, it seems to not really know what it's doing. And I think the whole point of what I'm saying is that it's because Disney is shallow. Mm. Even with all this like beautiful like aesthetic things that animators and the actual people working on it, like in Sleeping Beauty, put into it, Disney as a whole, and what its whole product package is empty. Right. Um, I'm thinking specifically of this really good writer called um, Sarah Griffith.
0: Editor's note, her name is actually Sarah Maria Griffin, and I should have known that if I'm such a fan. I listened to
1: a lot of her podcasts and stuff, and she described specifically Encanto, she was talking about Mm -hmm. about how empty of a story Encanto is.
2: I felt that as well yeah controversial take when i said it
1: (laughs) yeah i think encanto is i enjoyed it i thought there was good moments it was fun it was engaging it was nice to see like a non-white character for once yeah yeah but it feels similar to the whole meredith cinderella thing of like they're presenting a non-white character because it will sell they're not doing it because they think it will solve anything they're not doing it because they think it's going to like make a point or be daring mm. or change they're simply doing it because it's marketable and because encanto itself is an empty story that talks about it touches upon ideas of like colonization yeah um, but it
2: doesn't have the courage to actually deal with the them balls to address it yeah, yeah. they're that that was my issue of it they they, they touch on those aspects and i thought towards the end it might redeem itself and it's like oh now they have to if i had this time to like build themselves up as a community, now they have to rejoin the outside world. But no, the resolution was they got to go back to their perfect little enclosed, sectioned off, protected from everything, like utopian society, which is everything that Disney always does. This portrayal of the solution to conflict isn't necessarily to actually address problems. Uh, A lot of the times, it's just to... Find a place where there are no problems, <laughs> mm. uh, which is not a realistic thing to achieve in our actual world. Um, but yeah, I just thought that the uh, the idea of the Encanto remaining at the end or being reconstructed is just sort of strange because they're in, they're trapped.
1: It's it's like I feel like Disney approaches race in two ways and obviously I'm not an expert in this field, but the way I see it is that, like, you have the example of Kanto and Frozen, where they're very, like, racially coded, as in Frozen is a very specifically white, like, Germanic sort of region, mm-hmm. and Kanto is very much, like, a non-white South American region, and everyone's very neatly in their categories, like, this is one culture, this is another. And when it comes to, like, intersecting cultures, they sort of leap into, like the, like, the remaster of, Beauty and the Beast, the live action version with Emma Watson. Emma, yeah, Emma, yeah, I was yeah. getting her mixed up with Emma Thompson. <laughs> but which is racial blindness, where it's just like, oh, everyone's here, every race, every creed, but it doesn't really matter. And no one's culture matters because it's too confusing and complicated to suggest that like cultural in like intersection would change anything. Mm-hmm. It's still like that sort of Germanic medieval-esque setting even though there are different creeds and different um, races and probably different religions, you don't see, for example, like, um, you don't see, like, for example, the food changing. It's still, like, or, like, the culture or the architecture or, like, the clothing changing. It's just set dressing. It's just, like, we're, you know, we're multi... We're diverse, but yeah. there's no actual work put in to, like, no. say... Well, to how would you represent that. Yeah. yeah, and they can only safely say, like, look at this diversity if they put them into, like, a trap setting of, like, here is the kingdom, I can't remember the Frozen kingdom, but here is this ice kingdom in Frozen. This mm-hmm. is one set culture. Here is in Kanto, they're trapped in literally this other realm and their culture remains there and yeah. it's nice and safe and it doesn't actually a cause or effect or intersect like it does in the real world. Mm-hmm. Because it feels like, I don't know why they do this. I don't know if they think it's too controversial or probably they think they'll lose sales. It's easier to sell in Kanto as like, look, this is our latinx film like enjoy this as a latinx film it doesn't challenge anything Mm -hmm. it is simply in itself contained like it's so othering in the sense that it's like the defining feature is the race and culture and that's so prominent that there can't be any normal story about this person right you can't have any of the characters in canto running around in a normal like sleeping beauty setting where they fight dragons Because it's like, well, we haven't spoken about their race because that's what we need to do for our diversity. You know, it would be like, they would go up to the Sleeping Beauty, um, they would fight Maleficent who turns into a dragon, and then they turn the camera and be like, back home, we do it this way. (laughs) Or like, here, look at my, look at my, like, um, ancestral garbs. It's just like, you can't, you know, and I think it's really, really, like, pandering and belittling to people to Mm. be like, um, you're so one dimensional that we have to make a film about you that can only have one note. And although Canto in itself is a fine story, it's okay. It doesn't say anything, it doesn't make any statement apart from, I guess, question your family but love them in the end.
2: Yeah, I, I thought the same. I, I think that was the first thing I said. It was like, I wasn't sure what the message was. Because <laughs> it was sort of like the conflict was so internal and 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 understated that it when it was resolved it was sort of like well okay and then everything just went back as to what it was supposed to be And i guess that is hero's journey in terms of like everything always returns but you see there was no journey they were in the same house <laughs> They <It> didn't journey <laughs>
0: the hero's
1: journey like it's kind of it's mechanical right it's like the character has to follow these steps. It's like Joseph Campbell has trapped everyone in this cycle of, like, a story can only be these things to be successful. And mm. if it deviates from that, it's art house And it's weird. And it's experimental. And that will only sell to a very niche audience. So you are stuck in this, like, cycle of, like, okay, we have to neatly make sure that every single thing we've said so far resolves at the end and everything is neatly explained a packaged away instead of just being, like, I don't know, having, like, an extra character who... Uh, can time travel, so let's say. Mm. If you did that in that film and one of the like the the siblings or the external family could time travel, you would have this wave of people being like, well actually if you can time travel, it means that this can happen, this can happen. You know, <laughs> everything has to be so artificially tied up that mm. it just gets in the way of any good storytelling, which is fine if you're looking at something like Sleeping Beauty, which I think is makes sense because it's so fairy tale and it's so artificial and storybook that it makes sense that it ends happily after. But when you're trying to tell a story about real people, and this is your like diversity pool, and it still ends with a very like artificial, and it was fine in the end, I'm like, well, they're not real people. It's still a fairy tale. It's like, you might as well just be telling a generic story and stop pretending oh. that you're trying to be
2: I think... know, different. I think there's something to be said in that it is a Disney story mm, that's true, a constant a, a, like a yeah but beat by beat a intrinsically disney story but now it's it's a disney story about latinx people which uh in the context of being a disney fan you might appreciate that because you like the disney format so it's so sort of like oh we're now part of the Disney format like because Disney we have DLC, the story
1: right. It's not the main story. It's like the add-on. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a skin.
2: If you don't, if you dislike the Disney format, having those stories be put into the Disney format isn't exactly a victory. But I guess if you dislike the Disney format, nothing that Disney can really do is going to make you happy.
1: Uh, that's true. Well, that's why I want to talk about um, Don Bluth, who was a Disney animator, and his in the 90s and his sort of department was being shut down so he had well not him specifically but his group sort of had a walkout from disney and set up their own animation company of don bluth and someone else and they made films like the um, secret of nim titan ae anastasia bartok the magnificent thumbelina you're not recognizing any of these i've heard um, fern secret gully, of fern gully maybe sorry i think he made fern gully potentially
0: The 1992 classic Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest, was actually made by Billy Croyer and not Don Bluth.
1: Um, But basically all of these, they look and feel and sort of textually read as Disney, but they're not officially Disney. But they all sort of have a sort of a darker undertone to them. All Dogs Go to Heaven might be his.
0: Don Bluth was the director for the 1989 film All Dogs Go to Heaven. Yeah, that sort of um, series, or The Rescuers, might be his, or maybe that's Disney. But The Rescuers is a Walt Disney product and came before All Dogs Go to Heaven in 1977.
1: It's hard to tell because they look so similar. Yeah, but if that sort of like older form of like Disney animation, where you know, like 101 Dalmatians, like the original, had that sort of like, hand-drawn yeah. aspect, they all look like that. But the point of making is like, for example, in Black Cauldron, it sold quite badly because it was quite dark mm-hmm. the plot is basically that um a the black cauldron is this magical item and there's this sort of lich lord who is using it to revive the undead uh-huh. um, and <laughs> i can't remember exactly how they get in but there's a hero uh there's a male hero and then there's a female princess mm-hmm. but in a disney film you can sort of tell where this would be going
0: just to clarify the 1985 film black cauldron is a walt disney production not a don bluth production but due to the similarities between the two, I bring it up because it shows how Disney can diversify its creative content. But in doing so, The Black Cauldron actually had a loss in the box office due to it basically not appearing Disney and how Disney has sort of set a trap of its own making.
1: But they're kind of on par characters. And right. the, the male hero is kind of um, he's a little bit like reluctant, mm. and he's a little bit less like Prince Charming. And she's a little bit more, like, I guess masculine, but not in, a, like, a sense of, like, girl, I'm, I'm a super strong girl. Right. But she's still, like, a very feminine-presenting woman. mm mm-hmm. The whole thing is just a little bit dark, and there's, like, elements of, like, you know, the fluffy mascot character. There's a part when you, like, he, like, dies, and, like, you think he's dead. There's like this
2: little dog over here. <laughs> yeah he's Gergi gir- Gergi or something See <laughs> oh yeah, yeah Gergi <laughs>
1: yeah and there's like there's these hag characters like these witches and they have to make like a deal with them and they have to like sacrifice things and basically this is like the undertone of a lot of Don Bluth animation like with mm. Anastasia it's all about like the Romanovs um, and there's a lot of elements of like royal death and curses and like there's underground hell and demons and there's bits where like she's being brainwashed to like jump off a ship and drown herself <laughs> like it's Jeez. very but there's like a grit to it that makes yeah. it like Disney but it's like that undertone that makes it so much more rewarding because mm. there's actual risk and there's actual it feels like the development is earned mm-hmm. and that's why some of them flopped and why Douglas I think eventually went out of business yeah. because people saw it as Disney brought their kids and were like this isn't this isn't saccharine and safe. <laughs> Kids
0: are only allowed to like one thing.
2: Yeah. Because Disney has determined
1: what a child is allowed to like. Even though, like, as a kid, I'm sure there's things you watched as a kid which were probably not very child-friendly but still stick with you. Or, like, yeah. sort of weird media. Especially, like, like sort of 90s and early 2000s, like, cartoons and stuff, which were, especially, like, animation, like anime, which the, was the, a bit heavy. The
2: Cowardly Dog was i've Creative always found gross <laughs> yeah i always found, I always found that scary but I, it, I wanted to watch it yeah that was i think that was the one that came to mind anyway when you said courage the cowardly dog is not very is not very disney i don't think <laughs> do
1: you know the the conspiracy of courage is that like after the first season of courage because there's a few seasons um it ends with him like I think um, his two owners die in some way, or there's some hint that they're dead. Yeah. And the scene of the f- season finale, of the first season, ends with him like, like puppeteering them with like actual strings. <laughs> and so he'll say something, and he'll puppet them, and he'll mimic their response because they're like, corpses. And you'd be like... And it just ends with that. And so the conspiracy is that throughout the extra seasons it's just courage having a vivid like hallucinatory breakdown because it's canonically decided that they're dead. Yeah, And so it's just... I don't know, that kind of like horror edge of it is just... It's just so, again, belittling to children and like casting children as like a subset of human rather than humans in their own right of Mm. what they're allowed to consume. It's a very like dated very classically american pilgrim view of a child
2: yeah no definitely i that i think that's that's what i was talking about in terms of like the disney format i wouldn't police anyone's like taste obviously right Anything. if you
0: want
1: sweetness like you yeah. can have sweetness but it's the idea that there's only one form of media that a child can consume and mm-hmm. the rest are like barbaric or you know and obviously commercial seals say that that's the case but it's also the kind of case of like well, because Disney has so much power to influence culture. That's exactly it, yeah.
2: yeah, right? If they hadn't, yeah, if they had to hadn't actively gone out of their way to one buy up everything under the sun, so that they could own every every trademark, and to increase the power of copyright and trademark, so that a creative work could be made when I was born, and the copyright would still be in place when I die. It's <laughs> grim. Uh, So, like, a copyright that's born at the same time as me is gonna outlive me. So, like, these actions that they have taken paint their fantasy portrayal of, like, the happy ending and everything else that they do in, like, a sort of insincere tone. It feels artificial and and, and fabricated. And in any ways, the, 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 the whole framework, I think, well, at least more modernly people are just pulling away from that because art has in some way to be honest and i just don't see how of, and this is like classic disney movies i guess because they're they're things that disney has purchased but i, I wouldn't attribute it to them right i, like I wouldn't say Pixar,
1: like i feel like took more risks at least from the top of my head it feels but now that it's owned by disney you know because like i'm thinking of like um pixar things like or pixar dreamworks um like monsters inc i think Mm. is really good because there's genuine threat in it the idea of like randall i remember being really scared of him as a kid because he like he he tortures people and he's he's genuinely like a a terrifying creature and there's a bit even when Sully thinks that Boo is being compacted into a garbage cube. <laughs> and it's genuinely quite scary. Um, but I feel like that a lot of, at least recent, Disney doesn't do that. Unless I'm forgetting something major. It just there doesn't feel... Or maybe it's an element of, like, we're not the target audience anymore. True. Um, and maybe if we were growing up with things like Encanto and Frozen. Um, I'm trying to think of what there's definitely more in between in Canto and Frozen than normal <laughs> membrane but you know the, uh, just like uh, Onward
2: and Moana and this... R- Rai I haven't seen the Wana. one with the dragon yeah. Yeah. Um,
1: does Moana have like I remember watching Moana but I feel like it's it's similar in that it's very neat it's like a you know the enemy the, the in the end is just like a friend you've made along the way it's not an actual threat
2: right I see you know, yeah,
1: it's all like a very safe metaphor of just like, just love and be nice to people and everything will work out.
2: Mm. Especially like the early ones that were taking the grim stories, which were very. And I don't know if the grim stories were meant for children, but they they were very like, they 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 didn't pull any punches no. <laughs> when it came to their imagery, so that they condensed and and sanitized that. And now like going forward, like yeah the recent wave i guess it doesn't have really much yeah the the idea of conflict is sort of underplayed and now it's just sort of mild interpersonal conflict i guess um as if we're in a post-conflict age (laughs) yeah it's just, just not realistic
1: well america is again it's that weird contrast of american values it feels like a one hand like america at least appears from the outside to be very anti, like, censorship. Mm. And yet, it actively, like, leans into censorship. Whether, like, you know, from historic points of, like, the Satanic Panic and all that stuff. But, like, Disney is an active act. It's a company of censorship. And, like, Mm. sanitization and making things nullified and boring. (laughs) It's just, like, trying to, like, fit all... It's trying to take all creative works, whether that's now, like... The superhero film and putting it into such like um, a controlled generic system that it loses any kind of impact. Like Marvel films are turned out so mechanically to the point of like a lot of them. in between, like you'll get one rare one that's like wow, that stood out. But like yeah. you know, they're just so like the it's other just serving the, the, next, one the yeah. next one to the next one to the next one. Yeah. Like, um, even like what was the recent one? Um, the is it the Five Rings? Ten Rings?
2: Ten Rings. Yeah. Ten Rings,
1: yeah. It was, like, good at the beginning, but then it just sort of devolves into another Marvel action film by the end of it. Yeah. Like, well, this actually... It feels like someone began with an idea, and you can see the point when, like, the corporate machine takes over,
2: and it becomes <laughs> like, just... No. Like, no!
1: Yeah, and it's just like... And then, like, random people appear and be like, hey, I have a job for you, and I'm like, oh let me go watch 10 films to understand who this man is (laughs) to be a part of this cult so I can be like, yeah, I understand that reference.
2: (laughs) Yeah, I I gave up after Infinity War. Um, But obviously I still watch (laughs) Spider-Man. But that's about it. It's just, it's only Spider-Man for me. But Spider-Man is is different anyway because he's still technically owned by Sony. So he's not fully Disney yet, and that allows him to have some. I guess Sony has a say in how he's portrayed, so they might have some creative control in that aspect of trying to keep things from going full Disney. I don't know. I just they're just like brief elation as a fan base when like they buy up something. And it's like, oh, now we're gonna see the Fantastic Four be part of the. The Marvel Cinematic Universe. But you don't really think about all the other things. That would have been acquired through Fox. Like all the. The, the Mummy and. Their, the Monsters franchise. I think that was all Fox. It's just like. Yeah this, this cultural. Juggernaut. And the more they get. The more money they'll have to just get more. <laughs> they can acquire pretty much everything. And the only thing they can really stop that. Is. Um, law even then they won't do it because they would just pay off the politicians like they did with copyright so i don't see how in like 20 years you won't have disney just owning pretty much everything because like that's that's even if you do like disney net worth compared to like warner bros net worth it i'm sure the difference would be astronomical
1: Well, it's like the reason i brought up don bluth and i still don't know if this is actually don bluth film, but for example Fern gully
0: Still not John Booth film. The story of
1: that basically is a pixie of the woods. It's basically magical naturalism versus industrialism because it's all about her meeting with this logger and he's part of this team to, to deforest her land. Mm-hmm. Um, and the enemy in that isn't like isn't like just like a character it's the actual personification of industrialization right yeah (laughs) um tim curry plays um an oil slick literal like animated oil who is obsessed (laughs) like he's in the machines and he becomes this like weird animating force that sort of controls and manipulates people to be greedy for destruction Mm. and she has to defeat the concept of like ecocide and it's just like that's such like like it's actually trying to make a point and you can argue whether it's a good or not film, but at least it's trying to say something. It yeah. is trying to be like, the enemy here is deforestation. Mm-hmm. It's not just like, the enemy was actually my own insecurities. Like, and <laughs> that's such a safe thing because you can never offend someone by saying, this person was scared and now they're brave and they learned a lesson. It's so self contained. Yeah. You don't have to, there's no, you don't have to pull any punches because no punches are made.
2: Yeah, because it's all like self, yeah, it's contained within the interpersonal.
1: It's, it's, so it's Joseph a person, Campbell. Yeah. It's underneath the it's, yeah.
2: But even <laughs> then, like, the hero in Joseph Campbell's narrative is supposed to take on an aspect of the world. It's supposed to defeat an external force in order to return the world to how it used to be. But if that force is always internal, there is no potential for, like, saying anything about the world. All you're saying are things about your characters. Which, obviously, some people might identify with. But even then, like, it's commentary on society itself, it it's doesn't do much. And especially if, you're sto- if your message about the internal conflict is a message that's been proliferated many, many times before. It's sort of like, oh, okay. Oh, believe in yourself. Well, okay. <laughs> well, I didn't in, know that. It's in the
1: world building, right? Because they get around that. But, like, for example, Moana, the external impact is part of in her internal world projected mm. like the angry uh, volcano person who is actually like the um the good deity as as well mm. like that's a reflection on her own insecurities it's like frozen like the whole crux is of the outer world is her inner self and her inability to identify with herself um, in encanto it's all about um the main character's inability to feel part of the family. Is projected outwards into the house falling apart. Like, the they get around the Joseph Campbell thing by making the world a bubble of um, projected uh, yeah. insecurity. <laughs> like, the world outside of the character doesn't exist. It's all projected. You know? mm. It's everything, everything is false.
2: Yeah, it's all, it's a, it's a imaginary squared. It's a, it's a fantasy within a fantasy because <laughs> it's the projection of the, of the characters within the narrative that actually changes the world around them. So it's a dream in the dream.
1: That's why I think it's evil. That's to round it up. I think, <laughs> I think it's evil because they create, like they have created Golden Oaks, like they've created Disney World itself, like Epcot, they're creating a sphere of influence that so that they, when they do things and move within that sphere, they control whether the outcome is good or bad because they own the world, the space. So in their movies, they create a space where every action by the character is justified because it is such a safe space that all the actions are good actions. Mm. It doesn't interact with wider policies or the world because then you could actually have a debate with it. So it's sort of like, it's the ultimate echo chamber of, um, and because of that, like all echo chambers, it is therefore, is a bad thing because it's circling around round, like copyright laws to create this infinite loop of just, like, feeding back into the money machine, like, making more Marvel things, making more and more multiverses, or to, like, <laughs> just plug another very generic, like, fast churnite that can vaguely touch upon some, like, popular cultural issue to make it look like they're actually impacting something, when they're not. They've made they've made a, a replica of the world, a actually, or a slack really, is the word. Like, a copy of the real world that is actually just, like, a false imprint
2: yeah then by the actual power of their cultural influence, that sort of idea gets permeated into everyone else and even if you do buy into the Disney fantasy of like a world without challenges or win challenges that can be overcome easily through like one answer, which is what usually the the movies have, you don't actually have to think about the ways in which. The, the actual world operates and in, even 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 if you do want to just exist within that sphere of a challenge-less uh, environment, I think the evil comes in when they set a 2 million pound <laughs> entry fee <laughs> yeah. if you're gonna sell the idea of the utopia, it should be for everyone uh, exactly. there shouldn't be a 2 million pound buy-in, so yeah That is why Disney is evil. Culturally,
1: inside and outside of the the fake worlds they project upon us and within their movie verse.
2: And we will see you next time. Next time, next time. W! W! They were in the same house! It didn't journey.